Hi, ladies. It's me, Kimberly, aka Slim Kimmy. Um, I'm back. Today is a life update episode. Um, we haven't had one-on-one girl talk, just like a proper download on what's going on in my life in probably a little over a month. And there's been a lot of changes. I know the last time we kind of just sat down and had some time for Kim to reflect on what she's going through and what's going on. Um, I was in a position uh, where I was kind of uh, burned out and I was in limbo and I was ready to prioritize my relationships, both platonic and romantic. Um, And so much has happened in the last month and a half. And I just want to fill you guys in. So let's just jump into the episode. I'm really excited to be back. Um, and I'm really excited to share to share what's been going on in my life. So if you listen to my last episode, episode 12, titled Quit Your Job, featuring the incredible Candace Banks, um, you know that I recently resigned from my job. Um, and it's funny because we filmed that episode during the time where I was talking to a lot of people about, you know, just new opportunities and what direction I should go in. I don't really share my nine to five too much on the podcast because it's just not really my personality to do that. And, um, just out of respect for the people that I work with and the companies that I work for, I would prefer not to like just balls to the wall, guys, this is what happened at work today. Um, But now that I'm leaving, I can kind of share a little bit more about my experience. And obviously, I want you guys to kind of like understand who I am past my relationships and my friendships and rich little broke girls. Um, Work is a really big part of my life and it always has been. I've literally had a job since I was, um, I think 16, when I was 16, my very first job. I believe I was a hostess at like a Turkish restaurant Um, and I'm from Sugarland, Texas. So (laughs) there was this little area in Sugarland and it was called Town Center. So it was like an outdoor mall, essentially. It was Town Center. So like they had the big Marriott and they had amazing restaurants and they had like cute little boutiques. Um, and so they had this Turkish restaurant. It was called, um, turquoise. Oh my God. It was called turquoise. It was a Turkish restaurant called turquoise. And I was a hostess. My hostess stand was literally outside of the front door. So it was like on the sidewalk and I would just stand there in my cute little clothes and be like, hi, welcome to Turquoise, how many? Or like families would be walking and I'd be like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Like very much my personality of hosting. But um, yeah, that was my very first job when I was 16. Um, And so I've been working my ass off. I mean, that was a fun job. I remember I had a boyfriend that summer. That was my very first job very first job. It was like the summer of maybe going into senior year or junior year, something along those lines. Um, But I had a boyfriend at the time. Shout out to him. He's a great guy. Um, He broke my heart. (laughs) 
Hi, ladies. It's me from the editing booth. I'm going to retell this story because I realized I was being so coy when I was filming this the other day um, out of respect for the people in the story. But honestly, they did not respect me when they were flirting with my man when the entire Dulles High School knew that we were breaking up and we were having rocky times. They literally sunk their teeth in him like bottom feeders. No shade, no hate. Like, I know one of them was like married with like 12 babies and the other one, I have no idea what is going on in her life. But I'm going to tell you guys the story of um, the first time I learned the lesson not to buy men gifts. Um, it was because when I was 16 or 17, I bought my boyfriend a gift and he completely shitted on me. So I worked at Turquoise Bar and Grill in town center, probably earning, I know I said $12, but minimum wage, I think was $7.25 in Texas in 2014 when I worked there. Um, and I saved all my pennies and monies and all my little checks up to buy my boyfriend at the time some really nice designer Versace sunglasses. They were super sick. He was super into like luxury items. Um, so I thought this would be perfect for him because he doesn't have a cool pair of sunnies. So I saved all my money. I went on this website. Actually, I'm going to pause and figure out what website it is because we're going to need this information for the rest of the story. Okay, I got the information. I got the sunglasses off of Sunglass Hut and they were probably like $250. And I was like, okay, great. He's going to love them. And I remember, I'm pretty sure he's a cancer. He's like a July baby. And at the time, my mom, I was grounded for something and like she didn't want me seeing him. So I went to Target, got him like a big ass bag, right? Because the sunglasses are tiny and they like showed up in, you know, the box that they shipped them in. And then obviously they had the box for the sunglasses and then the case and the dust, the little wipey swipey thing. You know what I'm talking about. Anywho. So um, I was like, let me get him a really big gift bag and then put the sunglasses at the bottom, but like fill it with a bunch of tissue and like all of his favorite chocolate bars, um, and he's just going to love it. And so after I had probably worked for a month and saved up my money to buy him the gift, I was like, perfect, it's his birthday, let me go present it to him. Mind you, I was grounded, so I had to like sneak out of the house, call him and tell him to meet me at the cul-de-sac, like five houses away from mine. And I remember he drove a Lexus. I forget which one, but the cute little Lexus sports car. He drove that car and we were always in his car um, for many reasons. But he drove his Lexus. I don't even know what model it was. So I hopped in his silver car and I had this big ass gift bag with all this stuff in it. And he like, you know, is going through it. He's smiling. There's like obviously a sweet card professing my undying love for him, even though he had cheated on me like two months prior with this girl in his science class that was older than him, I caught him because he brought it to me and he was like, oh my God, Kim, what do I do? And there were text messages between him and this girl saying like, maybe I can juggle both of you. And I was heartbroken. I was like the love of my life. He was literally my first everything. Everything when we spent every single moment after school together, like every single day for a year. And I took him back because I was went to my big sister and she looked at me 
If you haven't met my big sister, go listen to the Rich Little Broke Girls episode titled Not So Friendly Reminders featuring my big sis, um, and you'll understand her logic. So anyway, I go to her. I'm crying. I'm so sad. My friend decides to throw a party at her place. So she's like, you know what, Kim? Like, we're going to go to the basketball game. You're going to get cute. We're going to post pictures on Snapchat. Um, So I remember me and all my girlfriends, we got dressed. We got really cute. We went to the basketball game. um, And then after... After we went back to Haley, shout out to Haley Ball. We went back to her place and like just invited a bunch of guys over for a party. And then I remember I have photos. Like if you guys want the photos, I will post them on the Rich Little Broke Girl story. But um, I remember I was wearing Uggs and like like a windbreaker or something. And I had been crying the night before. So I had so much eyeliner on. That was like such a shitty weekend because obviously my the love of my life was trying to cheat on me and then told me about it. Anyway, long story short, I go to my sister. I'm like, what do I do? My sister looks at me and she's like, Kim, are you going to marry him? I said, probably not. She goes, then have fun. So I took him back. And the only reason I took him back is because he was texting me and he was like, Kim, I'm, I'm at the top of the parking garage and I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. And I honestly thought he was going to kill himself because I broke up with him because he tried to cheat on me. Um, but he didn't jump and we got back together. And then months later, July was his birthday. I saved all my money from my first job to buy him these Versace sunglasses. And I present them to him in his Lexus in the cul-de-sac of my neighborhood because he couldn't come over and my mom couldn't know that I was seeing him because I was grounded and not allowed to see him. So I present him these beautiful sunglasses that, you know, I was sure he was going to love and he looks at them and he loves them, but he's like, why are they in a box? And mind you, they were in the box that they were shipped in because I got them off of sunglasshut.com. And he looks at them, he's like, why are they in a box? And I'm like, um because I ordered them. He's like, are you sure they're not fake? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You think I would buy you fake sunglasses for your birthday? They're from Sunglass Hut. Like, here's the receipt. And so that was my lesson in never buying a man a gift. And the next time I ever bought a man a gift, I bought him shoes for Christmas. And um, two months later, he walked out of my life. So I don't know if there's a pattern here. I don't know if there's a lesson here, but it sounds to me like we just don't buy men gifts. That's just something we don't do. Okay, wait, one more thing. I think you guys should know what he looks like because that was part of the allure and why I was so obsessed with him and so heartbroken. Um, Okay, this is going to sound like a stretch to people that know what he looks like, but I think that he looks like a skinny Middle Eastern version of Drake. And without the hair, like short hair. Honestly, maybe that's not it. I can't think of anybody else. That's just, that's who he reminds me of, but he could remind me of Drake because he was so obsessed with the Drake at the time. But like, think of like the full beard, like dark brows. Um, And it's funny because before we started dating, he would always shave his beard and he had the tiniest little lips and he just looked like a tiny little baby. And I remember senior year, we were taking our senior pictures and he shaved off his beard to take our senior photos, you know, like the senior photos that if you make it in life, they're going to reference for the rest of your life. Yeah. He shaved off his face to take that photo. And I was like, babe, you should never, ever shave off your beard again. And to this day, he never, ever shaved off that beard again. So he really always listened to what I 
would tell him to do. Um, and it's actually funny because when we were, you know, on our final breakup that I literally just thought was going to be a break and we were going to get back together like next week, um, I remember through the grapevine, the rumor mill of Dulles High School, I found out that these two girls were like flirting with him or he was like flirting with them and like they were kind of interested in each other and there was this one girl named Jolene. I hate to throw her out there. Girl, I know you don't even remember this, but all I could think about was Jolene, Jolene, please don't take my man. Jolene, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Obviously, after we dated, everybody wanted to date him. So I remember there were these two girls that were potentials and... I don't know what the hell we were talking about. It was probably my ego talking, but I look at him and I'm like, yeah, and I heard about those two girls and between the two of them, this one's prettier. And you know, he went and dated that girl for five years. I was sick. They went to prom together. I was fucking sick. Anyway, had I dated him, I probably would still be in Texas. So everything happens for a reason. Back to the episode. That's a complete roundabout way to say I have been working for a really long time. Um, and so work is a really big part of my life. And I recently resigned from my job, which was a long time coming. I moved to New York to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew that I had this personality and what I'm doing now with Rich Little Broke Girls. When I was 16, um, I had a YouTube channel and I would like be in my room, which is really ironic because I'm in my apartment. So kind of like my room again, just as a 26 year old woman filming myself and putting it on the internet. But I've been doing this since I was 16 and I had this YouTube channel and that same boyfriend at the time bought me some jelly shoes. I don't know if you guys remember, like back in maybe 2014, 2013, jelly shoes were all the rave. And so he ordered me some jelly shoes and I believe he ordered me three pair of jelly shoes. It was very sweet of him. But he ordered me some jelly shoes and um, I decided to make a YouTube video reviewing them. And I was just like, these are my jelly shoes. My boyfriend got them for me. I could probably find a clip and insert it. Hey guys, okay, so today I wanted to do a favorites video. Um, I'm gonna do like a shoes favorite because I really picked out these really cool pair of shoes and I'm pretty sure y'all have read the title of this video and it is jelly shoes the video went viral like it completely went viral so then i was like oh i gotta make a video of me styling the jelly shoes and at that time like kylie jenner and her like alt emo style was in so it was like a lot of flannels it was a lot of like dark lipstick it was a lot of that you know you know what i'm talking about long socks just like tims like that was the vibe um distressed shorts crop tops the whole the whole shebang that went viral um and so then i just had my youtube channel and um anyway work has been a big part of my life i had summer jobs in high school senior year i worked at a lash spa so i was the receptionist and i would get my lashes done. So I remember we would check in the client. So let's say appointments, everyone's appointment is scheduled at 12 p.m. So all the ladies would come and of course they loved me. Some of them were like, oh, sweetie, like 
what do you want to do with your life? I'll get you a job. Like they just took a liking to me. I would check all the ladies in. They would go back to get their lashes done and they each had private rooms and they would all go back. And then me and one of the technicians, I would sneak back after I had sent all the ladies back to get their lashes. I would sneak to the back to get my lashes done. And I would just tell the technician, I'd be like, please like hurry up fast because when they come out, I need to be there to check them out. And so they would go back at 12. I would go back at 12.05 and then I would come back to the front at like 12.50 and they would come out at one and I would check them out. And I had a fresh set of lashes all through senior year. Um, I'm not going to go through my entire resume, but I say all that to say, Work is something that I really enjoy doing, and I've always um, seen it as an opportunity to network and to meet people um, because you realize that you spend so much time with the people that you work with, so you do really create this bond that is unmatched. Um, So I had been working um, at a fashion company for the last two years um, with, if you guys know me personally, you know my boss, she is a fashion powerhouse. They call her the godmother of menswear. Um, She started trade shows. She's a chief executive of a really incredible lifestyle brand now. Um, She has started trade shows, sold trade shows. She is just fantastic. And I remember when the opportunity came to work with her, I was like, absolutely. I saw it as an opportunity to learn from someone that I admired. Um, So I hopped on the opportunity and I went to go work with her. And it was honestly, honestly, like the best two years of my life, the most transformative two years of my life. Um, And she really showed me what it means to work for someone that you genuinely love and you have care for. Um, And we've built such an incredible bond. And so as I was looking for something new, and I'd been in the role for two years, and so I just felt very stagnant in the role. Our relationship was very unique in that the only reason that I would work for that company is because I was working with her. And if you know where I work, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know where I work, you can literally find it on LinkedIn. It's public knowledge. Um, But the only reason that I really did want to work for that company was because of her. And no shade to the company. It is fantastic. They are, I mean, the best company culture ever. It really feels like a family. The first day that I got to work, like everybody followed me on Instagram. Like we've all hung out outside of work. It really is a family. Um, But for me, it's like menswear. So it didn't really, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't something that would have been on my vision board. And so my allure to the company... A, it's a fantastic company, looks great on your resume, but B, was her. And so that's why I wanted to go work there was because of her. Um, And so I'd been in the role for two years. And because we had such a special relationship, you know, I didn't really see any opportunities for growth within the company. It It was really time for me to go. And I think we all knew that it was time for Kimberly to grow. Um, And so I was just in such limbo at the top of the year. And I knew that I had to change something like, you know, that gut feeling where, you know, and I spoke about it, you know, in another one of my previous solo episodes, but I really felt like I had 
something that needed to be changed, but I didn't have the time to change it. Um, so I knew I needed to get a new job, but I didn't have the time to dedicate to getting a new job because I was running the podcast, I was producing events, um, and I was fully present in my nine to five. So it was just too much to juggle. Um, but after Girls Out of Office, I was like, you know what? I am going to balls to the wall. I got to find something new. And that's exactly what I did. It's funny because in my life, um, opportunities always kind of come to me. Like I never really have to chase an opportunity because I am really big on expanding my network and constantly putting myself in positions to meet people um, and to expand my network. And so I haven't really ever gotten a job that I applied for on LinkedIn. It's always been, oh, hey, this opportunity, are you interested? Oh, I heard about this. Let me plug you in from somebody in my network. So when I was itching to get a new role, literally itching like I had fleas, I was very uncomfortable. I was was really ready to grow. You know, I, I didn't really know. I didn't really know where to start. So I was obviously going on LinkedIn and applying and, but nothing was like hitting. I remember I got, you know, an interview to be chief of staff of some like, some like travel startup and they were going to pay me a shit ton of money. But I was like, I don't want to work for this company. And then I remember I got an interview to be the chief of staff for some like luxury, it was Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc, they were interviewing me to be their chief of staff. And I was like, I'm not really passionate about luxury pens. I don't know if I, you know, actually want to work for this company. And for me, I'm all about alignment. And when I was going into this new chapter and trying to trying to dream of what it would look like, I said, I have two options. A, I get a job and it's so far removed and so remote that I can focus all of my energy on rich little broke girls, right? Like it's work from home. There's no company culture. There doesn't need to be a company culture. And I can just focus on growing my podcast. I was like, that's option A. Option B is I move into the media space and I am working for someone that is so inspiring, that is so badass that this role is going to sharpen my tools for rich little broke girls, right? It's going to sharpen my media skills, my journalism skills, you know, my network in media. Um, And those were my two options, option A and option B. And I was open to both a hundred percent, so open to both, but I didn't, I didn't know where that was going to come from. I had no clue. So I felt from probably January to March, I felt very much in limbo. I had no clue where this opportunity was going to come from. I would see opportunities and I would reach out to my network to connect me to them, but nothing was like really landing. And then I would get opportunities from a LinkedIn job posting And it just wasn't the role for me. Um, And it was early in March. um, Rich Little Broke Girls is joining a media collective, which is really exciting. And I'm very 
honored and proud to, you know, be able to collaborate with them. Um, And so the Media Collective was hosting a three-day event at South by Southwest. And so we had initial conversations about rich little broke girls joining this collective. And on the initial call, they said, oh, hey, we're doing something at South by. You should come. And I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. And when we got off that call, I wanted them to know that I was so serious about joining this collective. I got off the call. I called my mom. I said, mom, do you want to go to Austin? She said, no. I said, mom, I'm going to Austin because my family is from Houston and I lived in Austin for two years for college. So I was just like, you know what? Let me call my friends in Austin. I hit up my friend Alon. Shout out Alon. I love him so much. He's like one of my favorite gays. Um, So I call up Alon and I'm like, Alon, I'm going to be crashing. Is that okay? He's like, come like it'll be good. Um, So I just, I book the flight and I go to Austin with the intention of putting myself out there, right? Putting myself in a space to connect with other people and to meet new people, but ultimately to meet the team, to meet the media company that Rich Little Broke Girls is joining as a part of their collective. And I wanted to meet the team. I wanted them to know that I was very serious about this. um, So I was going to show up and I did. And I showed up and I met some in incredible people. I probably had, I had breakfast at Soho House every single morning. So I met some really great people there. Um, And then I was at their event during the day. Um, So I met their team. And lo and behold, I met this girl and she was great. And we just hit it off. Like we were talking about dating. She lives in New York. It just like was perfect. Um, And she was moderating some of the panels that day. And I was so enamored by her ability to lead and guide the conversation, but also her ability to recant what the panelists were saying back to the audience. So perhaps they said something that was so convoluted, you couldn't really understand it. She had such a way of simplifying it, dumbing it down, regurgitating it to the audience. I was so impressed by her flow. Um, And I said, I got to keep up with this woman. I got to watch her. I want to learn from her. After that trip to South by Southwest, I was back to New York and, you know, just back to my back to my life. I still had a really big event ahead of me. I had the Girls Out of Office um, Summit ahead of me, which was in LA and I'm in New York. So it was such a large undertaking, as you guys know. Um, And so I didn't really have any time to really consider, you know, how am I going to get a job? Where's my next opportunity going to come from? Um, But I was still doing the work and had my head down. I knew that I was ready for something new. And right after Girls Out of Office, I told myself, I said, Kim, once this event is over, you're going to take a pause from producing events. You're going to take a pause from the podcast and you are going to focus on what this next chapter looks like for you. And right after Girls Out of Office, which was at the end of March, when South By was at the beginning of March, I get a DM. Hi, ladies. It's me from the editing booth. God, I keep dropping in, but I realize I wasn't too clear here. So when I got back from Girls Out of Office LA, I got a DM from the incredible journalist that I met in Austin, the one that we hit it off, and I was so enamored by her ability to moderate and lead the conversation. While we were in Austin, her former boss was emceeing the entire event, and this woman is a heavy-hitting journalist, spent many years on the Today Show. Um, 
Um, and all together is someone that I'm so incredibly inspired by. So as we're talking in Austin and just getting to know each other, she was telling me how one of her very first jobs in the industry was as an assistant for this woman who was emceeing the South by Southwest event. Um, so I get a DM from her and she's like, hey, Kim, um, my mentor is looking for an assistant. Do you know anyone? Back to the episode. And I was like, um, me? And then I got, I got the job. And now I'll be in the media space. And I'm so blessed. You know, you're so flustered when you're trying to connect the dots in front of you. But for me, it just reaffirms this notion that, you know, your network and relationships are everything. And you have to constantly put yourself in positions to meet people. You know, I didn't meet this woman thinking I was going to get a job from her. You know, I went to South by Southwest because I'm very serious about rich little broke girls and I'm very serious, you know, when I make a commitment to join something. Um, and I wanted the team to know that I was serious and that I wanted to meet them and that I was happy to be there. And it was rich little broke girls that ultimately brought me my new job in media. And I couldn't have written it better. However, when I got that message from her, I said this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I have been waiting for. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. You know, option A was a job that was so far removed that I could just spend all my time working on rich little broke girls. You know, I didn't want a company that had culture. I didn't want a company that I had to see anyone or know anyone. And then option B was go work for a powerhouse in media, someone that can teach you, someone that inspires you. And that's exactly what I got. I got the right option. And even getting that option reaffirms to me that relationships are everything. And when you have the option to connect with other people and you have the option to silo yourself, right? Because option A would have been Kim siloing herself from her nine to five. Option B was Kim growing her network in media, sharpening her tools in media, and building relationships in media. And I got the option that is the best for me, is the best for life, right? Because life, they say the value of your life is in the value of your relationships. Um, and so I'm so excited. I don't even think excited is the word. I'm ready. I'm so ready for the grind. I know it is going to be such hard work. Trust me. I know it's going to be such hard work, but I've been working hard my whole life. You know, I worked all the way through college. I had a job while, you know, I was taking 19 credit hours and I was good at my job, so good at my job and good at school. And so I know it's going to be hard and I know there's going to be a learning curve um, and I respect that and, and I'm excited about that, right? Because when you're uncomfortable is when you grow and I just know how transformative these last two years were in my life and I can only imagine what the next two years are going to be in my life. I also know the relationship that I built with my I still consider her my boss, but you know, my, my previous boss, that is, that's a relationship that's unmatched. And I'm excited to 
create new relationships with different people um, and to just build on that. And so if you take anything away from my story of really, really, really being ready to move and feeling like I couldn't grow anymore in the space that I was, but I couldn't snap my fingers and create a new job, it goes back to putting yourself in positions to meet new people and also trusting the process. You know, I know a pattern in my life is opportunities come to me through relationships that I've nurtured, relationships that I've built, and connections that I've forged, meaningful connections. And that's how my life is going to continue because that is how my life works. And when I was so disgruntled, so on edge, so in limbo, so uncomfortable, if I had trusted the process, then maybe I would have found more ease in the process. And I didn't. I didn't. I was very uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, it, it changed my mood. It changed my energy. It changed how I approached you know, work every day. I definitely know my boss was definitely getting shitty vibes from me and and I did apologize to her. I just wasn't happy. I was so ready. I was I felt so desperate for something new, but I also was so trusting that it would come and that I had to be patient. And I was patient and it arrived. I think for me during that time of being in limbo, I spent so much time on TikTok, which is not good for your mental. Um, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I spent a lot of time on social media and I, I found myself comparing myself to everybody and it just would just steal my joy and I would go to sleep. I would spend, you know, an hour on TikTok before I went to sleep and I would wake up in cold sweats and I couldn't sleep and my mind was going and my mind was going and I said, Kim, you need to stop. You need to stop and you just need to trust that everything's going to happen in the right time. And it did. And um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And I can't wait to just see what happens. And yeah, I, yeah. if you have any questions um, about trusting the process, or I don't know, want any more details about my story, you can always DM me at Rich Little Broke Girls on Instagram, and we can talk about it if you're going through. I know some of you that are listening are probably going through that same situation that I was going through. You know, I'm just here to share how I got through it, what I'm going through, and how I'm getting through it. And if you resonate with that, let's talk about it. If you need just a little a little sprinkle of motivation, I'm here for you. Um, so DM me, Average Little Broke Girls. So my last day of work was yesterday, which was June 2nd, for whenever you're listening to this episode. And so I woke up and I went to the office. I probably got in around 11 because, you know, I was doing work from home at first and I was really only going in to pack up my desk. So I packed up my desk. I put everything in boxes um, and I and I just shipped it to myself. And then I was like, okay, my boss was there. It's funny because she's she was heading out to Paris. And so we got to see each other, which was really sweet. And I took a picture in front of our like 
front desk with we have like this sick marble front desk then like the brand is engraved in the marble and then we have these six screens and it typically will um show our latest campaign and then you know it'll be like boom the brand logo and so i had um one of the photographers take a photo of me just on my cell phone so i got my little last day pick my little last day flick if you follow me on instagram at slim kim you'll see it i mean actually you won't you actually won't see it. If you already follow me, then you definitely saw it. Um, and then I was like, okay, I am going to Dumbo House to lay out. I had had a bunch of friends going to meet me up. Um, a lot of times, if I'm going to be at Soho, um, I will just schedule a bunch of people. So I was like, okay, I had a call at 12 about Rich Little Broke Girls, just some film prep, someone new someone new that's coming on the podcast. So I took that call on my way to Dumbo. And then when I got there, I was meeting with my friend David. He's the founder of Et. Um, Et and Rich Little Broke Girls collaborated on our last The Dinner Club, which was at Spring Place. And Et did all the cocktails. And if you don't know about Et Vodka, it's this rose petal infused vodka. It tastes phenomenal. And David is an incredible friend and a super hard worker and also a fellow entrepreneur. So we will at least like once a month uh, connect and just catch up on life and, you know, just what are, what are you going through? What are you going through? He's great. We'll connect each other with people. Um, he's, a, he's a really great fellow entrepreneur friend. And so David and I had lunch and I was very bent on laying out at Dumbo House. So if you're not familiar with Dumbo House, it's the Soho House in Dumbo and they have the best summer amenities. They have beautiful pool, beautiful views, beautiful terrace, lots of day beds. Um, there's food up there. It is great. It's on the roof of the house and direct sunlight, unobstructed sunlight. It's phenomenal. However, getting a bed at Dumbo House is like the Hunger Games. Why? Because the sun only shines for a couple months in New York and everybody is at Dumbo House to catch the sunshine. So I had no strategy going into it. Um, last year, they would let you book the beds online through the Soho House app, but anyone will tell you that that was not a good idea because basically what they do is they have these slots for the pool. So you can get a slot, let's say an 8 a.m. slot, a 12 p.m. slot, and a 4 p.m. slot. And so they'll open the booking at, you know, the day before at 12 and you have to like book it. You have to reserve it. What was happening was every single member in New York was literally on their phone waiting to book the pool and it would be 12 p.m. And by 12.01, it was all booked. The craziest thing. It would just like get booked so quickly. So for this year, they started this process where they still have the time slot. So they still have the 8 a.m., the 12 p.m., and the 4 p.m., an hour before, you have to go down to reception, you have to get a number, and then you have to wait in line. 
And once you get a number, that guarantees you a bed. So they have 50 beds at Dumbo House, so they have 50 numbers. And so you got to show up. You got to get a number. Once they're out of numbers, I'm so sorry, you can't get a bed. And so with the number, they'll give you their notorious Soho House band and you'll get a bed. I'm honestly, guys, the kind of person that I'm a finesser. If there's one thing that I learned in college, it was how to finesse. And I really don't do lines, not because I'm better than lines, but because I think I'm smarter than lines. Like I can outsmart a line any day. So when I arrived at Dumbo House, I know we're going back in time. When I arrived at Dumbo House, I was like ready. I had my bikini on. I'm like, I'm getting a bed and I don't know how, but I'm definitely getting a bed. Um, And so when I arrived, the receptionist was like, hey, Slim Kim. And I was like, hey, shout out. I'm not going to give her name away, but she knew who I was. And I didn't know her, but she knew me because she listens to Rich Little Broke Girls. And she's like, you don't know me, but I know you. I listen to Rich Little Broke Girls. I follow you on Instagram. I love you. And I'm like, I love you. Let's be friends. And so I asked her, I'm like, what's the deal with the pool beds? And she was like, come down at this time to get a number. I said, perfect, amazing. Babe, I will be here five minutes early just to get that number so that I can secure a pool at Dumbo House. And so I go up, I have lunch with David. I literally had a timer. The timer goes off. I'm like, David, I will be right back. We're in the middle of our meal. I'm having a shrimp cocktail salad with no tomatoes, no onions, and extra lettuce on the side. Um, And I was like, I'll be right back. Let me just go get this number really quickly. I just thought I could go down, grab the number, and then come back up, like go about my business. So I go down to her and I'm like, hey, babe, can I get a number? And she's like, yeah, they already started lining up. I said, they started what? They're lining what? What are they doing? She's like, yeah, I give you a number and then you go wait in line. And I said, oh, babe, I can't do that. I said, I'm eating upstairs. I can't, I can't wait in this line. And she's like, um, okay. And I'm like, what can we do? And so I get her number and um, I'm like, I'll just text you. So I go back upstairs. I have her number. I text her. I'm like, what can we do? We got to figure this out. And she's like, don't worry. I got you. And so um, she saves me a number. She texts me. She's like, I got you a number. It's not the best number, but it will secure you a bed. Come down at this time to get the number. I'll give it to you. And so I go back down later. I get my number. There's 50 beds. I had number 50. Um, And then my friend comes who's going to lay out with me. Her name's Inez. So Inez shows up. We're like ready to go lay out. And we um, wait with them. And we got a bed. And I was like, you know what, Kim? You're such a finesser. And you can always outsmart a line. Because when I tell you the line... If you have been to Dumbo, you know how long it is. Um, It was all the way out the doors to the street. Like the line was, it was a line of more than 100 people. Like it was probably a line of 125 people and only 50 of them got cards. I mean, when I was down there ready to retrieve my number from her, 
there was this guy and he was like having an entire fit because he didn't get a number. He's like, I didn't get a number. He was screaming at them. He was screaming at the girls. And I'm just like, this is what is wrong with you people. You know, yes, you pay to be a member here, but everybody pays for their membership. Okay. You're not better than the next person. They knew the rules. You did it. And you're also not a finesser like Slim Kim. So you didn't get a fucking number. Okay. Like period point blank. But yelling at these girls that are doing their job is so fucking asinine. It's so low of you. And he is like yelling. He's like, I am going to speak to a manager. And they told me this and they told me that. And I am looking at this guy like, you are fucking insane to be speaking to them like that. They're not going to forget that you spoke to them like that. These people work here. This is a house, okay? Like, make friends. Don't start snapping at people to get your way. And so he's literally yelling at this woman, like, about to rip her head off. And she's like, um, okay, can we just, like, can we just take this out here? Because, like, he's doing it in front of all of the members. Um, and I'm like, holy, sh- this guy is going to get a piece of my mind at some point. And I'm just looking at this guy like, you are so fucking low. He's like, I am going to speak to a manager. And I'm just like, okay. That was annoying. And so it's funny, after I finessed my number, because he didn't get a number because he doesn't know how to make friends, maybe if you made friends with the girls, they would get you a number. But you don't want to make friends with people, so you don't get numbers. You don't get perks, okay? What do I always tell you guys? Relationships are everything. So if you're going to be a member somewhere, make friends with the staff. They're the ones that can bend the rules for you. They're the ones that will look out for you. Why would you want to be a member somewhere and the staff hate you? They're going to make your life a living hell. So rule number one, and he broke the rule. And that pissed me off. Um, But this guy was such a little asshole. And so whatever, I get my number. My friend comes. We're going up because we're getting a bed. Like we are getting a bed. We're going to lay out. It's going to be so good. Um, It's my last day at the office, and we're going to have a time. We're going to have some picantes with mezcal, and we're going to dip in the pool. We're going to meet cute boys. We're going to listen to good music. I'm ready. I'm excited. Like, let's do the damn thing. Um, And so we get up to the roof um, where everyone's kind of waiting to get their number called so that they could go get a bed, and I see the guy up there. This little bitch that was cussing her out in front of all of us was at the roof. And I said to him, I said, oh, you got your way. And he's like, what? I said, you had a tantrum downstairs. You had a full-blown tantrum. And we all saw you. I'm happy you got your way. And he was so embarrassed. And everyone was like snickering because it was just like, don't ever in your life, A, think that's okay. B, think that's okay in my presence. And C, think that's okay, period. Like, don't. It's funny because he didn't get a ticket, he didn't get a bed, and I literally saw him with his towel hanging out by the pool on the ground because he couldn't get a bed. And that's what happens when you bite people's heads off. She didn't get a fucking bed. Sorry. Can we do a quick dating update? So I think you guys should all know that I don't like Hinge. Hinge is not for me. I've deleted my Hinge. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate it for a very good reason. Story time. I hate Hinge. So back in January, I matched with this guy. And I'm going to tell you his name because I'm going to tell you his name. His name's Antonin, and he's from Paris. And we matched back in January on Hinge. So a little bit about Antonin before we get into the story. So Antonin, I believe, 
mid 30s, maybe early 30s, 32, I believe. Um, dark hair, Parisian guy. That's all I got for you. So we connected on Hinge in January. Didn't work out because he was traveling and I was busy. At the end of March, I reach out to him. I'm like, are you back yet? He goes, yes, I am. Ha ha. Text me and sends me his number. Cool. So two days later, I text him. Hi, it's Kimberly. He goes, sorry, I don't remember your number. Can you give me more context? And I thought that was weird because we matched on a dating app. You have my name. I gave you my name. What more context do you need? So I send him a screenshot of our messages from Hinge. And he goes, oh, yes. How are you? Thanks for texting. I did not respond after that because I thought it was bullshit. And like me sending a screenshot was kind of my way of being like, you're a dumbass. Um, So I didn't respond. Why Why would I respond? So he reaches back out a month later after I'm just like, I'm not responding to this guy like ridiculous. He's like, hey, Kimberly, I'm losing faith. Ha ha. Is there anything I can do to catch your attention? And I'm like, okay, let me give this guy a chance. So I'm like, hi, how are you? And he's like, when will I have the honor of finally meeting you? Um, And so I tell him what day works for me. And I'm like, can we do later though? Because like I'm filming, so it'll have to be like late at 930 if that's okay with you. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, where do you live? So I can pick a place that's convenient to you and we'll have dinner after you're done filming. I said, great. I tell him where I live and he's like, let's go to the Beekman Hotel. Fantastic. I live close to the Beekman Hotel, walking distance. Let's go to the Beekman Hotel. Cool. Whatever. At 7 p.m., On Wednesday, he texts me and he's like, hey, Kim, I hope you had a really good day. Um, I just want to confirm that I'm going to see you tonight. And I'm like, yes, we'll see you. Pretty short because I'm filming. So, you know, I just wanted to let him know, yes, we're on, we're good. Um, And he's like, okay, great, can't wait. So I finish filming and I get ready and it's probably like 9.15 and I send him a text message and I'm like, Uh, just finished getting ready. I'm about to walk over. And so I walk over and I get to the Beekman and something in me was like, wait, Kim, like double check, you know what he looks like, you know his name, you know, like we've never met IRL. So like, I don't know. I just got to double check that I know who I'm going to meet. And so I go on my phone and I'm like, okay, his name's Antonin. He looks like this. Great. Let's scan the bar and go up to him. So I'm like scanning the room And I don't see him. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Because I just texted him that I was on the way. Whatever. Maybe he's not here yet. Whatever. So I text him. I'm like, where are you? And it doesn't deliver. And I'm like, okay, this is really weird. Because when I told you I was walking over, see you soon, it delivered and you read it. And then like five minutes later when I arrive and I'm like, where are you? It's not delivering. So I'm like, okay, let me try to call him. Like, I don't know. Let me call him straight to voicemail. And I'm like, did this motherfucker block me? So then I'm like, let me go on hinge. I go on hinge and he unmatched me. So I'm at the Beekman hotel. I've been stood up after the guy confirmed two hours before. Um, and I am so scared for my safety because I'm thinking to myself, what if he's in the room with me? What if he's here staring at me? What if this guy gets off on luring women out of their homes just to fuck with them? And I'm like, this is 
crazy. So I'm sitting there and as I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, Kim, you can't walk home because if he's looking at you, he now knows where you live. And I think the part that like gets me the most is that he asked, where do you live so I can pick a place near you that's convenient to you? So you lured me out of my home, still in my neighborhood, to what? And so I'm freaking out. I'm livid, beyond livid. So I sit down and I am writing a full-on letter to Hinge. And I'm like, NYC man luring women out of their apartment. And I'm telling them, I'm I'm sending them screenshots. Like, this is unacceptable because now I don't feel safe using the platform, right? It was Hinge that connected us. And now I don't feel safe. And so... I fire it off. I'm like, okay, Kim, you're not going to walk home. Just call a car and go home. So I call a car. I'm really annoyed because there was shit that I could have done, you know, instead of being lured out of my apartment. Um, And I got a message from Hinge that said, we're so sorry that this happened. We'll look further into this. Like a month later, there was no follow-up. There was no outreach. There was nothing. And I followed up and I said, hey, like, I want to be sure that this guy can't do this to somebody else. Um, And they completely disregarded me. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this app. I honestly prefer Raya. I know people shit on Raya, either A, because they can't get on or B, because they can't get people to respond to them. I love Raya. I have a great time on Raya. I've met friends on Raya. I've had podcast guests from Raya. I have met boyfriends on Raya. I've had a really great time. It is a great networking platform, great way to meet people. Um, So I actually don't need this. So I deleted Hinge and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think it's disgusting. And I think what that guy did was so unacceptable. Um, And if he did it to me... He's probably doing it to a bunch of women out there. So if you match with a guy named Antonin from Paris and he lives in New York, beware, be careful. I don't know. I don't know if it was because I never texted him back and, you know, he had some type of vendetta against me, but that has never happened ever to me. And I was shooketh. I I, I honestly was like, what if this guy is a murderer? Like, what if he's watching me? What if he's in this room watching me? Um, And that's just not the kind of feeling that you want, especially being in your neighborhood. Like that is so scary. It's the where do you live that gets me the most. Um, But I'm still alive. I'm breathing. This happened back in April, the beginning of April when I was like ready to like play the field. Um, But yeah, so I don't use Hinge anymore. And I know that experience is very personal to me. And I'm not saying fuck Hinge. I'm just saying Hinge is the one that made the match. And when I followed up with them. They did absolutely nothing about it. Um, So I don't need to be, you know, a part of a dating culture that allows men to lure women out of their houses. That's scary. That's actually really scary. Um, So yeah, I hate Hinge. (laughs) Nowadays, I know I said when I was in my rut, I used a lot of TikTok. Nowadays, I think I've trained my algorithm to be more informative than anything. And I definitely go on TikTok to, you know, suss out some new topics and whatnot. Okay, so this morning I was doing my morning scroll and I stumbled upon this video. I want to share it with you guys. It's from this TikTok creator called Your Patrick. And I want to get your opinion on it. So you could DM me. Listen to this and then let's talk about it. 
Anybody else just, like, want to fall in love and, like, meet their person, like, really quickly? Like, you meet them today, you're texting all day tomorrow, you go out the next day on the date, have the best date ever. Next thing you know, you're seeing each other three days a week. Six months later, you're moving in together. Six months after that, you're engaged. A year after that, you're married. A year after that, you got a kid. Is that anybody else or is that just me? That sounds mental. Does anybody else want to like fall in love really quickly and like get married really quickly and have babies really quickly? Like it sounds like you're running away from something. That sounds insane. And whatever you're running away from, you need to turn around and face it. Anyone that wants to move really quickly has a lot of fucking skeletons and they are afraid that if you take the time, you will open that fucking door. They're like, do not look at the door. They're afraid. And um, that is crazy to me. And the comments are even crazier because the comments are like, yes, that's all I've ever wanted. And <sighs> guys, is this who we are now? Let me try to find it on Tiki Talkie. His name on TikTok is actually your pal Rick. Your pal Rick, babe, whatever you're going through, whatever you need to unpack, whatever you need to face, face it. And anybody that aligns with that view of falling in love quickly... I'm scared for you. That is a recipe for disaster. Yes, I know, sometimes it works out, but why do you want that to be your story? Why do you want to rush into things? Yes, I know, sometimes things just progress and they move, but like, why do you want that is the question. Like, why are you trying to rush your life? Slow down, kids. It's okay. You will meet someone. And yes, if things progress quickly, cool great. I know that it takes time to really get to know someone. And um, yeah, that was just crazy to me. And I saw it and I said, this sounds absolutely mental. I need to know what the girls think about this. So please DM me at Rich Little Broke Girls. Um, what do you think about your pal Rick saying, does anyone just like want to fall in love really quickly, get married really quickly, you know, like six months move in together and six and another six months and a year get married and then another three months have a baby? Whoa, that sounds like pure chaos to me, and I do not subscribe to that. So, ew. Well, ladies, we've reached the end of another great episode of Rich Little Broke Girls. Thank you so much for spending the last hour or however long this episode with me. Um, but before we wrap, I want to give you a weekly pick me up because everyone needs a shot of motivation sometimes. I know I do. Um, many times over, I need a shot of motivation. Um, so this shot is sent over from unknown. I'm not sure who the author is, but it's titled Everything Happens As It Should, and it reads Every moment, decision, choice, encounter, person, mistake, lesson, step forwards, step backwards, heartbreak, love, failure breakthrough, dream, are the little dots that create the sum of your entire life. Each experience leads to the next, and although in the present moment it may seem that everything is scattered all over the place, one day you will be able to connect the dots between each part of your life. When you do, you will have the realization that a life void of even just one of those dots would not have made you the person that you are. Trust that everything happens as it should, in a way that is right for you. Maintain the faith and you will experience the freedom you are seeking. That gives me 
goosebumps. I so deeply resonate with that. Um, I believe Steve Jobs said it, but you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you really have to trust in the process. Um, and that is something that I was struggling with, you know, as I was ready for my new chapter in life and ready for a new job. Um, I, I wish I heard that then, but I hear it now and I'm going to take it with me now. Um, and so I don't know if you are uneasy, if you are trying to rush things, um, if you want something so bad and you can't wait for it, everything happens as it should. If you're in a shitty space right now, trust me, you're going to get out of it. There's a lesson there. Find the silver lining. I'm all about the silver lining. There's this book that I had growing up. It was called Every Cloud Has a Silver Lining. And at the time, I did not know what that meant, but God, is it true? Every cloud has a silver lining and sometimes we want things to happen exactly the way we envision. And while they can 100% happen exactly the way you envision them, it does take time. It does take time and everything happens for a reason. So remember that this week and join me next week for another episode of Rich Little Broke Girls. While I have you guys, please will you do me the honor of leaving me a five-star review and let me know. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know your thoughts. And as always, if you have any confessions, let me know at richlittlebrokegirls.com backslash confess and I'll talk about it on my next episode. But until then, ladies, I'll see you. Calling all rich little broke girls. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. If you didn't like this episode, share it with your friends. And if you really like this episode, share it with your friends. And for all those things, subscribe and leave me a ravishing review. And please don't forget to start your week with me every Monday for a new episode of Fritch Little Broke Girls. I'll see you all so soon.